Welcome to the Rediscover Italy podcast, a place for you to relive, revisit, and rediscover your love of Italy. My name is Cassandra Santoro. And I'm Laura Thayer, and we're your hosts for this podcast that takes our shared love of Italy in all of its many forms and brings it to you. On this episode, we're taking you to one of Italy's lesser-known regions that listeners of the Rediscover Italy podcast have heard us mention several times already. The southern Italian region of Basilicata is located just south of Campania. It also has Puglia to its east and Calabria to its south. This region is known to be one of the most mountainous regions of Italy, and there is even an area they call the Dolomiti of the south. It also boasts picturesque historic towns such as Matera and Castel Merizzano. In addition, it does have a beautiful coastline to enjoy as well. To help us discover Basilicata, today we're chatting with Valerie Fortney Schneider, an American who has family roots in Basilicata and has lived in the region for 10 years. She has more than 20 years' experience in the travel and tourism industry, and along with her husband, Brian Schneider, They've channeled this experience and passion for Basilicata into their company, My Bella Basilicata, that specializes in genealogy research and heritage tours of the region. Valerie is also a freelance travel writer and author of 52 Things to See and Do in Basilicata. So we're going straight to the source for Basilicata Insider Tips on this episode. So Valerie, thank you for joining us today from beautiful Basilicata. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Cassandra. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. And I have to say, when I think of Basilicata, I, I, I naturally think of you, Valerie. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. That's so sweet. For me, you're the person that comes to mind. But we've known each other uh, yeah. for long enough now, mm-hmm. mostly virtually, but for long enough now that I remember when you were based, I believe, in Le Marque, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, we were in Ascoli Piceno first before we moved down here to Basilicata. So we spent two years up in Le Marche, um, there along the Abruzzo border and the beautiful city of Ascoli. Um, and then we just really felt a draw to my ancestral region um, as we started traveling down here and discovered family that lived in the region. Um, we just kept coming back and really felt a draw to the mountains and to the landscapes here and just to the people of Basilicata. So we've been here for 10 years now. It goes fast, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. (laughs) Very fast. Yeah. So I thought it would be because you've had this, well, not too long ago on on the podcast, we had uh, a guest uh, who was from Le Marque. So I thought it might be kind of fun to sort of jump back and just ask you quickly, like what first drew you and Brian to Italy? And then again, like you said, maybe just go into a little more detail on what led you south to Basilicata and those family family connections how much time do we have (laughs) no um when we first moved to italy we we hadn't really planned it um specifically as a long-term move we just we had traveled here a lot we had really come to love italy and in all of its facets and all of its regions and we just didn't know exactly where we wanted to settle at first it was going to be just a year sabbatical we thought let's go and spend a year and then we'll kind of retool our lives and come up with what we wanted to do for the next phase um, at a point in time and we were really stressed especially my husband um, Brian had a very stressful job and we were just ready to move uh, from New Mexico where we'd been living at the time um, which we'd loved Albuquerque and we loved New Mexico but it had changed a lot in the time we'd been there and we were ready for just something different and um, thought well let's take a year off and we turned that into two years when we were in Oscali and then came back to the stage for a year 
and clearly after living in Italy for two years, that wasn't going to work. We'd just gotten too used to that Italian lifestyle and the lower, uh, slower pace. So um, at that's the point we came back and um, decided to live in Basilicata. Uh, so we really just liked the lifestyle here. And the more that we traveled in Basilicata um, to find family, we really liked the sense of community and the sense of hospitality that we found here. Um, and it was also just a very affordable place to live. Um, but most of all, we just really felt drawn to it um, because of the ties that we had here. That's so nice. I, I mean, it, it's just finding that connection. You know, uh, people ask us often, and Laura and I touched on it on another subject, how, where do I live if I want to live in Italy? And I think you just summarized it perfectly. You know, it's just where you where you find connection to the people, the places. And Basilicata was that for you. So that's that's beautiful. And now that you've lived in Basilicata for so many years, what would you say has resonated with you most during your time there? Um, I think probably the thing that's the most... Um, joyful for us is just how we feel connected. People here really accepted us from the beginning um, because it's a small region, because it's not uh, very populated. You know, our our presence did not go unnoticed <laughs> in a small town where we live. Um, we got to know the entire town within like two weeks of living here. And we just have been accepted as part of the community. And we've been um, really I would say deeply rooted for the first times in our lives. Um, we've never really had that sense of community anywhere else that we've lived um, throughout our entire, you know, marriage and moving around to several places. So just being able to participate in daily life, being a part of the festivals, being a part of the community, you know, helping our neighbors and them helping us in return. It's just been a nice, I think, kind of a return to the way things were um, maybe 50 years ago that we've kind of lost, I think, in, in our generation. So um, it's been a nice transition for us. <laughs> Wow, that's so inspiring too. Um, and anyone listening that has a dream to to live here, I'm sure really looks up to that uh, because you came here and integrated. Um, and to say that the connection is is what is what resonates with you with you the most um, is just a beautiful thing. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's it's something that I think can be harder. Not not that you can't find connections and integrate into communities and in cities or in places that are busier sort of and more seasonal tourism like where I live on the Amalfi Coast I mean not that that can't happen but I do think that it's a from what I've heard I've not had that experience like you have Valerie but I it I can see that I think it would be very different mm -hmm. that sort of atmosphere and that sort of sense of of community no, absolutely. I mean, in Oscoli, we certainly had friends. We certainly felt, you know, a certain sense of connection there. Even now, when we go back to Oscoli Piceno, we just can kind of fall right back in with our, sort of our group that we had there. You know, people recognize us in our coffee bars and such, and we do get together with friends there. But there is a different layer of it, I think, here in Basilicata because um, there's only two cities, and both of those cities are small. They're both under 65,000 people. Um, and so it really is a collection of small towns. And so there really is that sense of getting involved and just being connected with people automatically because of that. Um, and also in Basilicata, they have a saying that hospitality is sacred. Uh, and they really mean it. They actually 
truly will take you by the hand. We had people dragging us into their houses for coffee. Um, you know, we were so over-caffeinated the first few weeks we lived here just because everyone wanted to extend <laughs> some form of hospitality to us. And it kind of automatically comes out with, oh, have a cafe with us. Um, so, And we didn't want to say no. We didn't want to refuse anybody. <laughs> we would, we'd be wired at night going, I only had seven coffees today. How many did you have? <laughs> and sometimes there's no saying no. <laughs> no, exactly exactly and sometimes they're dragging us uh, you know have a limoncello or whatever the liqueur that they made and um so that just really is a very um hospitable and kind of family they really make you part of their families here so that was just a wonderful experience I think that's also extended to visitors so when we have had clients here that are visiting to discover their roots uh we've really a lot of times discovered family members, um, even if it's their distant family members that are related to these descendants, uh, it's the same thing. They're wanting, immediately they're on the phone calling other relatives, come over for lunch and they're making, you know, a big spread or they're laying out their wine and their salamis and stuff that they make. Um, so it really gets extended to visit casual visitors as well. Um, it's not just, you know, people like me that have actually moved here. So... And, and I just, now I want to add something. I want to say that this is so, um, that is one of the questions many travelers will ask if they say, well, if we visit a family, will they want to talk to us? Are they going to let us in? I heard sometimes they open a door. So Valerie, you just yeah. also answered that question <laughs> to those who have roots in Basilicata. That's, yeah. that's amazing. But yeah, I, we get asked that a lot about mm -hmm. if it's possible to, um, to go inside their home and, and will they cook for you like the kind of what you dream of in a movie so yeah no absolutely it happens more times than I can tell you so it's absolutely true they really um, appreciate those connections they're really touched by it when um, when descendants you know that are family members come looking and even just towns in general we've had that experience a lot um, with the town halls the mayors with people that are just in these small towns when we introduce people as descendants even if we can't find an actual family connection they're still just very touched that they would come all the way from America or Canada or Australia to discover you know where the family came from here and these tiny little towns in Basilicata so so we've mentioned that Basilicata is one of the lesser-known regions in Italy, and you covered uh, a lot of it in your book, 52 Things to See and Do in Basilicata. And so I was just curious, what, uh, what are a few things you wished more travelers knew about Basilicata? Um, I think that people really are very, very welcoming here. Um, I think a lot of people have a view of the South, uh, maybe from other books or movies or things that um, people are wary, that people are standoffish or maybe even suspectful of outsiders, which isn't the case in Basilicata. Um, you know, of course, you come into these tiny towns, people are going to kind of stare at you and it's because they're just not used to, you're, you're an outsider, it's obvious, because there's such small towns and they know everyone. Um, they give the same look to anyone that comes from Rome or Florence as well, um, to Italians. It's just kind of, who is that person? What are they doing here? <laughs> um, it's not a, you know, suspicious um, kind of a look or anything. And as soon as you engage with them, they'll be very friendly. Um, so I think that 
um, number one, it's really not a scary place to travel um, because people are so friendly. Um, I think that there's so many very long-standing traditions here. People don't realize how many festivals and processions and um, traditions that are carried on literally for a thousand years or more that they're still carrying on here. It's just a beautiful place to um, kind of immerse in all of those Italian traditions and very special festivities that happen here. I, I think the festivals in these small towns are just amazing and um, a sort of a dream for American travelers. So I can imagine in these in these towns for the saints, for the food, it just must be um, very dreamy for, like I said, for American travelers. So <laughs> keep that in mind in these in these lesser known regions as well. They still, you know, put on a big celebration, as you're saying, right? You know, they take these things seriously. It's part of their tradition, so. Absolutely, and there's just so many of them. Um, you know, a lot of them you don't even know about until they're happening, but there's some that, like I've written about in my book that um, happen annually, and they're just really worth kind of planning your trip around. <laughs> some of them are very exciting. That's fantastic. What would be a few spots in Basilicata that you think people can't miss? Um, well, obviously, Matera is sort of the jewel of Basilicata in terms of um, the cultural capital of the, it was the cultural capital actually of Europe um, in 2019 um, for the UNESCO World Heritage um, aspect of it as well. So Matera really is, it's Europe's oldest city, so you can't kind of miss that. Um, but I really recommend people spend more than a day. A lot of folks will hit Matera from Puglia and they come over just for the day and there's so much more to see than you think there's going to be. Um, so I always recommend that people spend at least three days in Matera to really see it all and experience the city for what it really is. Um, Castamezzano, as Cassandra had <laughs> mentioned in the beginning, is a really beautiful mountain town. So it's sort of the opposite um, aspect of Matera, which sits down in a ravine and Castamezzano is up at the very top of this mountain, kind of extended. Um, it looks like it just grew out of the mountain itself. Um, and its twin sister city is across the ravine from that, across a um, kind of deep gorge from it is Pietra Pertosa. So those two are connected by a zip line, um, but they have different aspects to see as well. Um, Maratea is our famous coast town on the Mediterranean, which is really a gem. Um, but there's so many places in between that no one uh, either knows about or really makes time for, like Melfi with its castle that was built by Federico II, um, Frederick II, the Holy Roman Emperor. Um, there's a couple other castles that he built in the region as well. Um, there's our wine country um, at the, in the shadow of a volcano that's really exciting to see and taste the wines. And there's just a lot. Um, we've got a national park. I mean, there's just a lot to see packed into a very small region. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything. I don't know if Laura has mentioned. Um, I'm like a little obsessed with Maratea because I really, it's a silly thing, but I, the only fiction books I read are Nikki Pellegrino and she writes a lot about that town. Oh, really? I haven't, I'll have to look for her. Yeah, she's, you know, she's one of those people, um, I think she was born in 
in New Zealand but lives in the UK or vice versa. Um, but she really, she for some something happened where she has family there or she has this big connection to Basilicata. So all her, not all, I would say a good oh. majority of her books are based on Basilicata. Oh, gosh, I didn't know that. I'll have to look for those. Cool. Yeah. That's great. I'll try to think, think of, like, the specific ones, So, because some of them obviously yeah. are not all. But she talks about the Cristo Redentor, like... And um, uh-huh. I said, I, so I'm trying to convince Laura to go this summer. <laughs> it's just two hours now on the fast train. They have the, the each little yeah. train that goes there, right? Right, right, right. But they didn't always have train. I mean, I feel like when I went to Matea last time, it wasn't a fast train. I feel like... Well, Martea, yeah, they had a slow train. They started it last summer with the faster train connection. Um, So the only problem with Martea, which is good and it's bad, it's good in that it kind of keeps a lot of crowds from coming. But once you get to the train, then what do you do? Because the train is like in the middle section, and then there's the beach down here, and the town is up here. And so getting between everything can be challenging. So then you either have to, you know, use, figure out the buses or just call a cab all the time so that's the only downside is that it's not connected well with all the aspects of the like the different locations mm-hmm. okay. um but it is beautiful it's really stunning we stayed in the porto um three years ago we went and spent a week because we'd gone as day trips or whatever before, but we'd never really stayed there for more than an, an overnight. So we went and spent a week, um, and we stayed down at the port area. There's an apartment that we rented down there, and it was great because you could walk. All the best restaurants are down at the port. And then we rented kayaks and went off paddling and um, did a boat trip, you know. Uh, so there's quite a bit to do. And, and then up in the town, it's just a cute, you know, atmosphere. But I'll have to look for those books. So, Valerie, you just mentioned about the wine country, and we loved reading in your book about the food specialties in Basilicata. Uh, you know, we love food and wine here. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not? So, exactly. Um, can you tell us about some of your favorite regional specialties? Um, well, I never turned down a plate of cavatelli pasta. Here they make them by hand, and um, that's kind of the regional pasta, the shape that's the preferred um, shape, and it's made with just the semolina flour and um, water and salt. So it's good for vegans and vegetarians that um, travel here as well. I've got a cousin that's vegan, and she loves coming to Basilicata because of the food. Um, there's a lot of things that are sort of that cucina povera, uh, based on whatever is fresh and in season. And then um, we love the cacio cavallo cheese. It's something that you find here made from the padolico breed of cattle. Uh, which is a mountainous um, kind of cattle that they raise here. And that cheese just comes out so flavorful based on what they're grazing on in the season. So um, my favorite way to have it, which I mentioned, is the they hang it over the coals. So it's like a um, teardrop-shaped kind of uh, cheese, and they hang it over um, a grill and or wood coals, and they get it nice and smooth and, like, melty, and then they slather it on bruschetta. And it's just so, if you like cheese, that is something that's, I call it heaven on bread. So. Yum. It's delicious. <laughs> so good. Um, just, there's a lot of things that they make here still by the tradition. So our neighbors, for example, raise a pig every year and they make their own soprasata and capicolo and all of those things. Um, so we're the lucky recipients of those every year. <laughs> 
And a lot of it with red peppers. I don't know why I'm picturing maybe like、uh, sauteed or. Am I making it up? I'm picturing a plate of peppers、um, that I was、mm-hmm. eating with my hand. I don't remember what、no. I was eating. <laughs> Absolutely. The pepperoni cruschi.、Yes. So that's another thing that you find only in Basilicata that they、uh, grow these very sweet, they're sweet peppers that they then dry in the sun and then they fry them in olive oil real fast until they get crispy. And they're very addictive. That's, that's kind of like potato chips. You can't eat just one.、You're, the whole plate is gone before you realize you've eaten the whole plate of them.、Uh, and then they crumble them over pasta、um, and use them in other dishes as well. So those are very addictive. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can tell because I, I must have not been paying attention to my guide and I must have just been eating. You know, been so excited. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name of him, but、uh, no, absolutely. And that's something that's only you really only find in Basilicata. They're not really grown or、um, cultivated anywhere else. So it's a special treat when you come here. Yum! All deliciousness right there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> I was just curious uh, to ask, uh, since it is a lesser visited area, especially by let's say foreign travelers, what?、Um, How easy is it to get around? What do you think is、um, best in terms for travelers? Do you do you and also do you? Is it helpful to know Italian? Can you get by exploring the area if you don't know very much Italian? No, absolutely.、Um, you're always going to find someone that speaks English. The kids study English in school, and they've been doing that for、um, practically a generation now. So、uh, you'll always find someone that speaks some measure of English, no matter where you go.、Um, obviously, if you can speak a couple words of Italian, it's helpful、um, to get around. That's kind of the biggest challenge because we're this collection of small towns、um, that you really need a car、um, if you're going to go exploring beyond Matera. Uh, because it is just a little bit more difficult to depend on public transit to get you to these smaller towns. Because you might have to go to Potenza to get the bus to go to these towns, and then you have to go back to Potenza to get a bus to go to some other town. And you'll spend a lot of time and frustration, I think, waiting for buses.、Um, also, the schedules might not be very good. So, if you're going to go beyond Matera, I would definitely recommend、um, either hiring a driver if you're afraid to drive, or definitely renting a car. There's so few people here that it's not, you know, scary to to drive、um, in terms of the traffic or how people are driving because it's just not very populated.、Um, so there's not a lot of congestion or crazy drivers. Um, going around. It's not like、You're、driving、right. on the Amalfi Coast. No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all.、Um, not even in Maratea.、Um, we've had some. We actually took pictures a couple times that we went to Amalfi and then we went to Maratea in the same、um, period, and it's like the traffic was completely different. So Mar. Amalfi that was already packed, you know, along the road in May, and then we were in Marate in July, and there we passed two cars going along the coastal road. So it was. A big contrast、um, in terms of、wow. the traffic, so I don't think driving is that difficult once you're here. That's good to hear. Yeah, and, then, and that's something that we've chatted about is that it really can on the podcast when we were talking about getting around Italy is that it can vary so much from region to region, and then even within a region.、Mm-hmm. For example, like if you're driving in parts of Campania in the countryside around Avellino, Benevento, it's going to be completely different. Than the Amalfi Coast, but、Definitely. it's nice to hear that that it's it's a region that is a bit friendlier to drivers. <laughs> not, not used to Definitely in Italy. Definitely, I think our biggest traffic jam that we get into here is when the sheep are blocking the road. <laughs> Which is actually so much fun. I love it when the bells are all like jingling. 
<laughs> exactly. We love that sound as well. <laughs> and it happens more times than you would expect. <laughs> Authentically, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. You mentioned Maratea, and that's the town that's actually been, that's come up several times in uh, this first season of the Rediscover Italy podcast, because Cassandra and I have this uh, oh, really? this plan to go there, <laughs> hopefully this year. Well, let me know. We will meet, I will meet you there at least. <laughs> I would love to, any excuse to go to Maratea. <laughs> because it, it looks, it just, it, it looks so beautiful. Uh, the coastline, the beaches, and then... Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Maratea, they call it the Pearl of the Mediterranean, and I think it really is. Um, it's one of those towns that the way it's laid out, it's just sort of spread along that little section of the coast. Um, and it's got very different um, scenery as you go to the different frazioni, the different sections of the town um, that make up, collectively make up Maratea. So the town itself sits up on the mountain, and then it goes down to the port area, and then there's the marina, and there's just areas that kind of spread along so there's a type of beach for anybody no matter what type of um, water experience you're looking for if you like the hidden coves or if you like a sandy beach there's kind of both um, and everything in between and um, we like running kayaks and going along the coast and finding those little coves or hidden sea caves that have that kind of like the blue grotto type of shimmer to them and um, there's it's definitely a really beautiful uh, atmosphere and I think even more so because it's not very crowded generally other than the month of August you really won't find crowds in Maratea. Good to know right. thank you for those tips yeah. for us. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely. Well one last quick question um, I know it's hard because also you've you've already shared so many tips but if you had just one uh, piece of advice that you would give someone for visiting Basilicata maybe someone visiting the first time. Um, gosh, what would be the one tip? Um, I would say definitely visit Matera, but then go beyond um, the city of Matera and visit one or two of the smaller towns, whether it be Castamezzano or Malfi or Venosa, which is an ancient Roman town. Um, there are so many beautiful towns to visit here that have hidden gems that you just don't expect. And then you really get to have that hospitality um, that I was talking about earlier, where people really will uh, welcome you and ask, you know, if they can help you and invite you in for a coffee or um, offer you a glass of wine at the local bar or whatever um, you'll find that happens a lot more often in those smaller towns um, and it's just a really special experience when you get to have that kind of interaction even if you don't speak Italian you're going to see that hospitality is sacred uh, mantra be put into play uh, in those smaller towns yeah, that's that's um, some great advice. You know, it, it's almost as if um, you just have to keep it simple. Uh, you know, don't rush, but make time to see some of these highlights so you understand a little bit more um, than just a beautiful historic city of um, Matera, that there is um, a world of food, wine, as you said, festivals, uh, and then just really getting to know the people. So thank you for sharing that very important reminder. Um, about, yeah, about Basilicata and travel in general, you know, just Definitely. going with the flow. But, um, you know, I think if, if you would say spending a week, you know, or just a certain amount of time or five days minimum in that area would be ideal, if you would agree. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That way you get to see, you know, Matera and maybe um, head over to the other side of Maratea and then something in between, you know, the, in the mountains or one of those hill towns that you would find in between um, Matera and Maratea. So you get kind of that full experience of the region. Definitely. Uh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Valerie, and uh, for thank sharing you. all your knowledge with us. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me on. It's been a joy um, being a part of it. And I'm really loving your podcast. So this is a great service you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much. I, I loved in your book, you described Basilicata as a, an almost mystical land mm -hmm. that is part of Italy, and yet set apart on its own. Mm -hmm. And I just think you, you did such a great, you know, thank you so much for doing what you did to uh, share so much about this region excellent. and what you continue to do. So we just really appreciate having you on today to, to share even more of that. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Definitely. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play so you won't miss any of our future episodes. You'll find all of our listening options and more on our website, www.rediscoveritalypodcast.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter to get the latest podcast news delivered right to your inbox. You'll also find our blog with detailed show notes and links to episode highlights, as well as where to find out more about Valerie's book, 52 Things to See and Do in Basilicata, and My Bella Basilicata. Please do share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you have a chance, please do leave a review. We love to hear from you. And don't forget, we're still taking questions from the audience. So send us a message on social media. Email them directly to rediscoveritalypodcast at gmail.com. Grazie and a presto. A presto.